Would you like to retire with enough? My name is Peter Guidry, and I am the host of the Retiring with Enough podcast. Today we'll be talking about something that's near and dear to everyone's heart, retirement and retirement funding. It's been said that retirement's wonderful if you have two essentials, much to live on and much to live for. My own personal journey to retirement started about eight years ago when I transferred my practice to a younger practitioner. And even now, eight years later, I still don't consider myself retired. Normally, when asked by strangers, I just tell them I'm unemployed, which I am for most of the year. And maybe that's because I don't want to admit to myself that I am pretty much retired. Because retirement's one of the few words in the English dictionary that simultaneously creates joy, excitement, happiness, fear, anxiety, and apprehension. And I can tell you through personal experience that emotions do peak during the period approaching retirement because you're leaving the stability, your friendships, and the steady income that work provides. But for me, there was also joy and happiness from realizing that retirement signals the beginning of a new period with new possibilities and activities. Fear, anxiety, and apprehension surrounding retirement spring from the prospect of funding retirement through available income sources after losing work-related income. Since I had my own practice, I never really received a check and was subject to large fluctuations in income from month to month. But I was still going to lose the stability and security of a periodic income stream, and those were going to be replaced by the uncertainty of how my retirement income was going to be funded. For many people, insecurities flow from the fact that they feel they're not adequately prepared or educated for the task of preparing a retirement income plan. I've been a self-directed investor for approximately 50 years, so I felt like I was more than ready for the challenge. But long-standing accounts that have grown and matured over many years must now be accessed for retirement income needs. And like most long-term savers, I realized that it was going to be a lot harder than I thought to flip the switch from saving to spending in accounts that it appreciated over a lifetime. Most people facing retirement realize that they own several different types of account with varying balances, and they're confused about the proper way to utilize all these different accounts. All my advanced planning hadn't adequately prepared me for the reality of generating retirement income. I had multiple questions and multiple concerns. Did I have enough money saved? How could I verify that I was financially okay? How would I create a retirement paycheck? What accounts should I access? And in what order should I access these accounts? Like everyone else facing retirement, I quickly realized that I was swimming in uncharted water and that there were two main considerations that I would need to resolve before I could move forward into retirement. The first consideration is what income sources were personally available to me. Not everyone has all income sources available. One of the most important tasks before retirement is identifying, locating, and listing potential sources of retirement income and listing balances of all available personal and spousal accounts. The second consideration was even worse. How would those sources be accessed and utilized, and what would be the proper sequence for accessing the funding sources? In most cases, there is a best-use sequence for utilizing different accounts. For example, accessing after-tax or portfolio accounts first, then pre-tax accounts, then tax-free accounts. 
What I quickly realized is that this mainstream advice wouldn't work for me and probably wouldn't work for most people. So this podcast will address the different income sources for retirees, while my next podcast will address the strategies surrounding the best use and sequencing of all these available income sources. Two previous podcasts have spoken about identifying your income needs. Those two podcasts were Quitting Work, What's Your Number, and Annual Spending, Did I Spend That Much? If you haven't yet listened to those two podcasts, now would be a good time to do so. With that being said, we'll now move forward and look at the actual income sources available for retirement income. I was pretty much blown away when I started doing research for this because I actually found 18 different sources of retirement income funding. The first and most obvious to most people being Social Security. Social Security is probably the most utilized and recognized retirement income source for most Americans. Social Security payments are guaranteed to keep up with inflation and retirees receive the new inflation-adjusted cost-of-living adjustment which is termed COLA, payments each January. The basic concept of Social Security is actually pretty easy. You contribute to the United States Social Security program while you're working. Then you begin to access those same Social Security savings during retirement. Each person's PIA, which is considered the primary insurance amount, is a function of the dollars contributed, quarters worked, and full retirement age. Obviously, there are eligibility requirements, and to be eligible for Social Security benefits as a worker, you must be age 62 or older, disabled or blind, and insured by having enough work credits. For applications filed December 1, 1996 or later, you must be either a U.S. citizen or lawfully present alien to receive monthly Social Security benefits. For this discussion, we're going to stay pretty low level, but we are going to talk about PIA for just a minute. The PIA, which is the primary insurance amount, is the benefit a person would receive at his or her normal retirement age. At this age, the benefit is neither reduced for early retirement nor increased for delayed retirement. And there's a whole other discussion about when people should begin receiving benefits. Although many sources recommend delaying benefits until age 70, actually very few people wait until age 70. According to the street, only 5% of U.S. male retirees and 7% of female retirees start taking Social Security at age 70 when benefits are at their highest. The Social Security Administration also notes that about half of all retirees take Social Security benefits before full retirement age and a quarter 25% take their benefits at the trigger date of age 62 when withdrawal amounts are significantly less than at age 67 or age 70. Psychologically, most people understand the benefits of waiting until age 70 to receive Social Security benefits, but I feel that economic needs dictate for most people that they start taking Social Security before the optimal age of age 70. Even though most people qualify for Social Security benefits, not everyone is eligible to receive those benefits. There are some government, military, and other organizations that provide retirement funding. 
Many older federal, state, and municipal employees are covered by separate retirement plans that are now coordinated and integrated into the Social Security Benefits Program. Our third funding source are pensions. And I'm sad to say that pensions, for the most part, are going the way of buggy whips. Pensions, which are also termed defined benefit plans, are a retirement arrangement in which an employer promises a regular payment from the day of retirement until death. The employee also has the option to take a lump sum payment. With a defined benefit pension plan, you normally know exactly how much you'll receive each year in retirement. Pension funds are normally not indexed for inflation, and they can usually be taken as a lump sum or annuitized to provide a stream of lifetime income. The pension amount depends on the length of employment and salary during employment. In the past few years, pensions have become more and more unfavorable due to the financial burdens that pensions place on the business. Pensions, for the most part, have been replaced by company-sponsored non-pension retirement accounts. Company-sponsored retirement plans, also known as defined contribution plans, are plans without a defined benefit amount where employers and employees normally contribute money into tax-deferred accounts. The benefit here, honestly, is for the employer as they're no longer on the hook for defined payments for the life of the employee, and employees are responsible for part of the contributions. Brokerage and savings accounts are our next funding sources and are usually known as after-tax accounts. This is what most people would commonly call their savings. Brokerage accounts, bank savings accounts, CDs, individual stocks and bonds, and all other accounts derived from capital previously taxed would fall into this category of savings. A bond or a CD ladder can create a stable annual income. Periodic withdrawals of a percentage of the principal each year can also generate retirement cash. A retiree may also be able to live off earnings from dividend income and capital gains from stock investments. Annuities are next on our list, and according to Investopedia, an annuity is a contract between you and an insurance company in which you make a lump sum payment or a series of payments and in return receive regular disbursements beginning either immediately or in the future. The income you receive from an annuity is typically taxed at regular income tax rates, not long-term capital gains rates, which are usually lower. Our next category is part-time work, which is income derived from continuing to work in your chosen field on a limited basis, working part-time in another field, or income derived from independent contracting services. I know, I know. The whole idea about being retired is not having to work part-time or not having to work at all. An annual income of $10,000 generated from a part-time job means that you don't have to have $250,000 in savings to generate that same $10,000 if you're withdrawing 4% each year. So a part-time job that generates $10,000 each year means that you'll need $250,000 less in savings. Health can deteriorate over time, and associated income will decline or cease with declining health. 
small businesses are another source of retirement income with income derived from the profit distributions or sale of an individual or family-owned business. According to a survey by the Guardian Insurance and Annuity Company, over 35% of small business owners are depending on the sale of their business to help finance their retirement. Although not one of my favorites, home equity is also a source of retirement income. Because income can be generated from the sale of a personal home or income from a reverse mortgage. According to Clark Asset Management, nearly 18% of retirees are using the equity they've built up in their homes to help pay for retirement. The only reverse mortgage insured by the U.S. federal government is called a home equity conversion mortgage, also called a HECM, and it's only available through an FHA-approved lender. The HECM is FHA's reverse mortgage program that enables you to withdraw a portion of your home's equity. The amount that will be available for withdrawal varies by borrower and depends on the age of the youngest borrower or eligible non-borrowing spouse. The current interest rate, the lesser of the appraised value, the HECM FHA mortgage limit, or the sales price. Our next funding source is real estate other than the personal home. This includes income from other real estate holdings, not including a personal residence. This may include the sale of investment real estate or income from rent or leases. I'll also include side hustles. Side hustles are similar to a part-time job. Most side hustles are individual enterprises and don't involve outside employers. As such, there's more freedom and less guaranteed income. Some side hustles can grow into full-time and lucrative businesses. Inherited money may or may not occur and may not be significant. Sometimes money dedicated to heirs may instead be used before the death of the grantor to pay for health care, living and housing expenses, or emergencies. HSA Distributions HSA-available funds can provide an income stream through distributions in retirement. This subject has been discussed in a previous podcast called The Misunderstood HSA Health Savings Account. Once Medicare coverage is initiated, people can no longer fund an HSA, but available funds can be distributed as needed for reimbursement of past qualifying medical expenses or as reimbursement for Medicare premiums. Our next funding source is cash value life insurance. Unneeded life insurance policies can potentially become a valuable source of income as embedded cash values in whole life policies have normally increased significantly and the policies may no longer be needed to protect the income earning potential. Generally, total premiums paid into the policy are not taxable as those dollars are considered a return of premiums paid with after-tax dollars. Gain on the policy, dividends, that are withdrawn are normally taxed as ordinary income. This can change if the money used to pay premiums has not been previously taxed. Roth accounts are our next potential income source. Roth accounts are funded with after-tax dollars. Since both principal and earnings can be distributed tax-free after age 59 and a half and a five-year holding period, Roth accounts are one of the most valuable retirement income sources. Qualified distributions are not taxed, nor do these distributions increase taxable income. 
our next funding source are hobbies. A hobby is defined as an activity done regularly in one's leisure time for pleasure. But hobbies can also generate income and can be used as an additional source of retirement funding. Getting paid to do something you like is a win-win situation. Any skill or talent that others are willing to pay for can add to your retirement income. Our last retirement funding source is alimony from divorce. This is obviously a non-traditional funding source and not available to everyone. Alimony is the sum awarded to a spouse or a former spouse following a separation or divorce, and it's awarded to ex-spouses of long-term marriages and stops upon death, remarriage, or court order. So our strategy here is to assess and identify all potential income sources before retirement. They ultimately may or may not be used or needed, but identifying the sources and available amounts of money are vitally necessary for retirement planning. As I've noted above, there are at least 18 potential sources of retirement funding. Not all 18 sources will be applicable or relevant to everyone, but it's important to evaluate each source for potential retirement funding opportunities. Not everyone will have all of the retirement accounts listed above or have a profitable hobby, side gig, or work part-time, but someone may have cash value life insurance that's not been considered or untapped accounts that may be forgotten or misplaced. The overriding idea here is to identify and list all potential sources of retirement funding. In my next podcast, we'll discuss how these different funding sources, pre-tax, tax-free, and after-tax dollars can work in concert to provide the best mix of retirement funding accounts and sources. And now some final thoughts. Just like most people, my time approaching retirement was both joyful and fearful to a certain extent. Planning before retirement is crucial in decreasing negative emotions, fear, and apprehension at the beginning of retirement. Providing a stream of retirement income can be stressful and confusing. The first step in mediating stress and confusion is to locate and list all potential sources of retirement funding. In the podcast today, we've listed 18 potential sources of retirement funding, but not all of the sources will be relevant or applicable to everyone. But the first step is to locate and list every applicable source of potential retirement funding. And once those sources are identified, then the process of developing a retirement funding plan can begin. In my next podcast, we'll follow this theme of retirement funding and we'll work on creating a retirement paycheck. And as always, thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please feel free to leave a review. And if you want to partake in an online conversation, be sure to search for the Retiring with Enough group on Facebook. Thanks. The information and opinions contained on this podcast are for general education and are considered general communications. Information on the podcast was obtained from various sources and Retiring with Enough does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information presented. Retiring with Enough strongly recommends that you perform your own independent research and or speak with a qualified investment professional, legal advisor, or tax professional before making any financial decisions. 
The information and opinions expressed should not be construed as financial planning and does not consider the economic status or risk profile of any specific person, nor does it constitute an offer to buy or sell securities.